Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch it live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Wednesday, folks, and we are back today, folks. Excuse us for the no-show yesterday. Truly apologize for that. But we are back today, and the NBA resumed last night, folks, and it was really good. Now, teams, it's all starting to click for most of the teams. Most of the team is starting to click. Hey, this is truly the final stretch. Now there's eight days left in the NBA. Oh, let's now wake up, yes? So we got some great performances by some teams truly establishing themselves last night. But then we had some other teams, like the Lakers. Do or die game last night. LeBron doesn't play. They lose. Lakers done for the year. Done. Spurs clinching that final play in tournament seed. So this is what we've been preaching the last two and a half, three weeks out here. Go and get your spot. And LeBron said, eh, I'm good. I'm good. Maybe next year we'll try it. But I think I'm just done for this year. So... That's the, you can be, you can fall out just like that. Lakers, LeBron, everybody's been talking about them, even though they've been trash all year long, and they're still that's still the big story today, which we get. But I mean, can we talk about the Bucks dominating the Bulls once again? The Bucks, they're the scariest team in the NBA. The Nets, they won, but didn't cover that big old giant spread against the Rockets last night. Okay, but let's save it. Let's save it. Let's not get out of control right off the rip, <laughs> right off the rip here. So, today on the show, breaking down the NBA from last night, betting the NBA tonight. There was amazing value last night, folks, and, uh, you know, but we weren't here. So, we can tell you, but we'll tell you in hindsight what that great value was. Uh, so, bet the NBA tonight. Got to break down some NFL stories, and is today the day that we get to Malik Willis breaking this man down? Draft prospect, quarterback, is the man good? Is he going to be taken first quarterback overall? Is he going to be even drafted in the first round? What is the draft going to look like this season because so far what I'm hearing is just wonky all over the place mess nobody truly knows what's going to be going down so we'll see <laughs> it'll be a surprise to everybody you know how the draft plays out but we do have to kind of get rolling a little bit on watching some draft prospects but uh, that can only happen if there's time in the show so is there going to be time today? We are crossing our fingers, but our fingers have been crossed the last four months on the show and still not here. So let's see what happens today, shall we? And before we start with anything, before we start with anything, folks, I have to apologize to the Academy. I was wrong, and uh, they weren't disrespectful. Two days ago on our Shrek show, we brought up Shrek during the show and said that it didn't even win an Oscar, but it did. It won an Oscar for animated feature film, and it actually beat out um, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, great movie as well, uh, the movie version of the show. And then it also, which is truly surprising, it beat out Monsters, Inc., which is my favorite Pixar movie, going against one of the best pieces of cinema ever made. So, man, oh, man, what a category here. What nominations here in the 2002 Oscar Awards, folks. Man, oh, man. But Shrek did win 
for animated feature film. Now, now, Eddie Murphy did not win actor in a supporting role, which is a little lame. Um, we had Jim Broadbent for Iris. That's better than what Eddie Murphy did with Donkey. I mean, come on, folks. I mean, what a character performance that was. So the Academy, they got some things right, giving Shrek an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film. But what about supporting actor, Eddie Murphy? Obviously, Mike Myers is the leading actor for Shrek, but we all know Donkey was the star of the movie. We know this. Adam, Eddie Murphy... I mean, truly, I mean, what, what, who could play Donkey? That, that's really the question to be asked. Who else could play Donkey in Shrek, folks? Nobody. It's nobody. It's Eddie Murphy. Like, who could? That's why the new Mulan sucked, because there was no Eddie Murphy in it. No Eddie Murphy dragon. That's why nobody cares about the new Mulan. Give us the old animated one. We don't need this live-action, Eddie Murphy-less Mulan movie. So Academy got it kind of right, but Eddie Murphy should have won Best Supporting Actor. So, I guess I have to apologize for the Academy to the Academy. They did give Shrek an Oscar, so very well, being respectful. One of the best movies of all time. So, we did have to apologize to the Academy here. So, there it is. Alrighty, now let's shift gears to the NBA, and uh, there was a lot of games on last night, once again, there was no game on Monday because of March Madness finale, and Tuesday it resumed, but before we break down any games, there are two quick stories to talk about it, <laughs> once again, folks, the Nets, can we just stop it, I just want y'all to stop it, one day, all I'm asking is one day to stop it with the Nets, that's it, that's it, we still, it's every single day, it's Lakers and the Nets talk, okay, what just happened with the Lakers, they get bounced from the playoffs, what's happening with the Nets right now, let's check in, where are they currently? I think they're back at maybe the eighth seed in the playing tournament. We had the Hornets losing last night. Nets winning. And the Nets back at that eighth spot. Uh, so we got Hornets at 10, Hawks at 9, Nets at 8, and the Cavs at 7 for the 7 through 10 playing tournament game. So Nets at 8. They've got to win uh, one of two games to get into pl uh, the actual playoffs. Uh, going game one against the Cavs, they'll probably win that game. The Cavs have truly been falling off. So does seem like the Nets are going to get into the playoffs. But we get this right here. Steve Nash says Ben Simmons will not make his debut for Brooklyn during the regular season and play in tournaments. So if Ben Simmons does return to the floor this season or just go to the floor this season, he, he hasn't played all year. There's no returning to the floor. It's getting to the floor. If Ben Simmons gets to the floor at some point this season, it's going to be in the playoffs. So they need Ben Simmons mightily, mightily, to help out to win a ring because you're not beating the Bucks in a seven-game series without Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will not be able to carry this squad seven-game series against the Bucks. It's just not going to happen. We just saw how their game played out the other night. It came down to the wire, but the Nets couldn't close, and the Bucks get it done and win the game in overtime. I mean, there it is. That's what we will see, what we all saw last year as well. In the playoffs with just Kevin Durant. So, we've seen this movie already. We don't need to watch it again. We're done with this movie. Let's get a new movie. New ideas. Original content, please. So, Nets not having Ben Simmons. And once again, we should all be afraid of the Nets. What are we talking about here, folks? 
Talk about a team. Talk about a team. A player coming back. This is who we should be afraid of. The Clippers. Because we get Norman Powell looking good in workouts and is close to a return. So Ben Simmons, we 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 know nothing. We honestly don't even know. It's like, when's the next benchmark going to come? So they're already ruling Ben Simmons out for the remainder of the regular season and the playing tournament. So the earliest he can come back is the first round of the playoffs. And then what happens when the first round of the playoffs starts? Oh, second round of the playoffs. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons won't play in the first round of the playoffs. So the goalposts, the benchmark will always move for Ben Simmons. We have no timetable. But here we go. Norman Powell out on the floor shooting threes, warming up before the game. Looking good. And once Norman Powell comes back for the Clippers, we're going to have to be watching out for this Clippers team. We already have Paul George back and see what they're doing. They're winning. They're being competitive. They're looking real good out there on the floor. Coming back down big time. 20 plus point deficit and coming back and winning games. Games. That's the Paul George factor. Then you add in Norman Powell. The Clippers will be even better. So this is another team that should be on the radar that everybody should be talking about. Stop with the Lakers. They're not in the playoffs anymore. Who cares about them? The Nets, they'll probably make it out of the playing tournament because the Cavs are just going on a downward spiral. Truly unfortunate. We'll talk about that when we get to the game from last night. But can we be done with the Nets? Can we be done with the Lakers? Watch out for the Clippers. Watch out for the Bucs. Let's praise these great teams that are getting it done. LeBron took last night off in a do-or-die game. That's what we want to talk about. That's the great competition and the great um, competitive nature we all want to talk about. Of course not. Of course not. Lakers are done, folks. They're done. They're not in the playoffs. They're done for the rest of the season. But here we go, Norman Powell looking good in uh, workouts, and it's close to a return, so once he gets back for the Clippers, folks, you need to be put on notice. So, Norman Powell returning soon, hopefully sooner than later, yes? <laughs> we'll see how quick he gets. Once again, we don't have a date on Norman Powell, but we also don't have a date on Ben Simmons either, so. And he's not on the floor warming up, so I don't know what you want from me. All right. <clears throat> Those were the two stories quickly I just wanted to go over. So now, oh, uh, yeah, I, I, there's one more story. We're going to put this at the end, but let's talk about it now since we're talking about the NBA stories out here. Uh, we get this. Doc Rivers has been mentioned as a potential candidate for the Lakers and Jazz head coaching positions. What? We know Frank Vogel is probably going to be out for the Lakers, uh, but and then for the Jazz, Dan Snyder, Dan Quinn, Dan Snyder. Quinn Snyder, what is that his name? Quinn, uh, but yeah, Quinn Snyder, Dan Quinn, Quinn Snyder. It's it's two of those three words, Dan Quinn and Snyder. Two of those are his first name, last name. But either way, the Jazz, obviously their records are always good, but once again, they're not getting it done when they need to against the best teams, and they can never, they always blows the, blow the lead, blow the game. They didn't blow the game last night. Almost did. Almost did, didn't it? Uh, won in overtime. But it uh, seems like the Lakers and the Jazz may be finding new head coaches next season. But why Doc Rivers? Honestly, can we be done with Doc Rivers? Lakers, Nets, Doc Rivers, Don. What are we doing out here? They're not evolving. They're not not good. They're not winners, folks. Doc Rivers is not a winner. Doc Rivers has never won without great talent. Floundered. Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan. Lob City. Uh, top of their game. Prime of their game. Couldn't get anything meaningful out of them. But now you want to coach Doc Rivers for LeBron James? That's not going to work out. I can tell you already that will never work out. Ever. 
So I don't understand why Doc Rivers' name keeps getting mentioned and brought up for other head coaching jobs. I don't even want him for the 76ers. Why would I want him for LeBron and the Lakers or Donovan Mitchell with the Jazz? We don't want that. So we need to be done with Doc Rivers. Get this man out of here. He's not a good coach. And you don't even have to be a good coach in the NBA. It's really just the players. It's a, it's a make or miss league, honestly. So the coaches don't have the most impact. You need kind of a big three. We say this all the time. You need a big three on your team to win the championship. So it's more players than coaching. And Doc Rivers is still floundering when you don't even really have to coach. Just coach up your bench players. Doc Rivers can't do that. So what is he going to bring change to the Lakers and the Jazz? They need better play out of their role players, especially the Lakers. It wasn't LeBron. LeBron was averaging like 30 points a game this season. He was taking care of business. You need to coach up your role players, your bench players, and Doc Rivers can't do that. George Yang taking a step back. We've got nothing great from Shake Milton. What are we doing? He traded away Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. He thinks, he thinks he's got a lot of bench role players. And then he trades away Seth Curry and Andre Drummond for what reason? For what? So I just don't get it. Can we be done with Doc Rivers, please? I'm begging y'all. We need to be done with something out here. Y'all got to be done with one of these three topics because I cannot spend this entire offseason about the Lakers and having to hear about how deadly the Nets would have been if they were all healthy. I don't need a whole nother offseason of what if on the Nets. I truly don't. So can y'all cut off something here? Cut off Doc Rivers. Stop it with the Doc Rivers talk. Stop it with the Lakers talk. And stop it with the Nets would be good if everybody was healthy yeah that's every single team that's every team you could say about y'all need to cut what y'all got by the end of the week to truly cut off one of these topics doc rivers the lakers and the nets y'all got to get rid of one folks i can't keep hearing these same three topics every single day whether it's good whether they're bad whether they're winning whether they're losing for the entire year y'all got to cut out one of them i'll leave it up to y'all i'll even be nice enough to leave it up to y'all but y'all got to stop talking about one of these three things please at least one. I wish all three, but I know that's a big ask to y'all. So one of these by Friday, Friday at 5 p.m. One of these better be done. Zip it. <laughs> Zip it on one of these topics for the remainder of the year. Okay? We can do it. I know y'all can do it. There's other stuff to talk about. We can all live. I promise y'all. I promise y'all. So stop it with the Doc Rivers, please. If he gets fired from the 76ers, who would ever want to hire this man again? And if he just leaves the 76ers, who would want to hire this man ever again? All right. Now let's get into the action from last night. Those were the three quick stories I wanted to touch upon today. So here we go. Talking about Doc Rivers. Let's start with the first game up here. 76ers at the Pacers. And the 76ers get the win. 131 to 122. Dominant performance by Embiid, James Harden, the whole gang out here. But they didn't cover the spread. Do we look that much into it? Do we nitpick that much? They won by nine points. That's not a double-digit kind of blowout win. And it's against the Pacers. Now, we do know the Pacers are somewhat competitive. But once again, this is what we mean. Come on, 76ers. Let's see some dominance. This spread ended, I think, at like 11 or 12. And they only won by nine. So Vegas was like, yeah, you should have been this dominant. But you weren't this dominant. 
you were dominant, but not that dominant. And that's what we want to see. That's what we've been begging for by the 76ers. Just show us one game of dominance. Because you know who did dominate last night? The Miami Heat. They just set a franchise record for regular season points in a game. 144. Blew out the Hornets. Hornets are pretty good. Better than the Pacers. And the Heat blew them out. Like 30 points. 25 plus points. So I just want to see some dominance here. Some um, above and beyond dominance. And we haven't gotten that all year long by the 76ers for the most part. So yeah, they win. We give them credit. But come on, it's the Pacers. 76ers get the win 131 to 122. Joel Embiid, 45 points, 13 rebounds, magnificent game like we all know from the man. James Harden, 11 points, 14 assists, yes sir. Tyrese Maxey, 30 points, 7 assists, yes sir, truly that. And then Tobias Harris, a solid 17 points, 4 steals, 5 assists, 6 rebounds on 45% shooting. The man shot 5 of 6 from 3. Yeah, that was fantastic. So, yeah, kind of the big three got it done for the 76ers. And that was really it. Shake Milton off the bench, 10 points on 4 of 7 from the field, I'll take that. George's Niang, nine points. DeAndre Jordan, six points. Danny Green, three points. It's okay. But, I mean, come on. We we can expect more from Danny Green. We can expect more from Shake Milton and George's Niang. But they're not getting any better. And they're not going above and beyond. So, still, a win's a win. We'll give them credit. But it was only by nine. Is it that impressive? For the Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, 21 points, 5 assists. Who cares? They're done. Buddy Heald, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. All right, y'all had a pretty good game, and it still results in a loss. We know that's what the Pacers are. So, 76ers get the win, 131 to 122. I just want something more dominant by the 76ers. For once. For once. All right, next game up, and what the hell is this? Cavs at the Magic, and the Cavs lose? Lose to the Magic? No Cole Anthony and they lose to the Magic. Does that tell us something even more? That Cole Anthony's not good? Yeah, we kind of know that. So maybe just Cole Anthony's holding the Magic back. What, what, what's more likely here? The Cavs losing because of all their kind of injuries or the Magic winning because no Cole Anthony? I don't know. I think you can make the argument both ways, but man, oh man. Magic at the five-point win, 120-115 to 115 last night. Markel Fultz, who we know is better than Cole Anthony, fills in at the one, 16 points, six assists, and they get the win. Franz Wagner only put up two points. Only played seven minutes, and they still win the game. That's big time. Off the bench, we had Moritz Wagner, 15 points. Dev Delvin Kennedy, uh, 10 points. Ignis. Brazdikas, 20 points, 6 rebounds. Robin Lopez, 11 points. So, off the bench, the Magic were getting it done. And then for the Cavs last night, I mean, they still had Darius Garland, Moses Brown, who's been playing absolutely fantastic, and Karis LeVert. They should have won this game, but they didn't last night. Darius Garland, 27 points, 10 assists. That's very well done. Moses Brown, 10 points, 12 rebounds. Karis LeVert, only 11 points. He shot 50%, but only 11 points. Lauren Markkanen, 25. Five big old points, second leading scorer. Kevin Love off the bench, 17 points, 13 rebounds. C.D. Osmond, 3 of 5 from the 3, 11 points. And they still lose this game against the Magic? Man, oh man, how the mighty Cavs have fallen, folks. And it is probably one of the most disappointing narrative storylines of this entire season. Remember when the Cavs were great? Top three in the Eastern Conference, winning on a daily basis, a gamely basis, consistent basis in the early part of the season. Remember those days? Everything was good. Now they're losing. Can't stop losing. 
is truly unfortunate. Magic get a win they don't even need. Cavs, they're in the playing tournament. But you're going to have to face the Nets round one. And, you know, we, we know the Nets aren't great, but they're better than the Cavs. You get Kevin Durant. I mean, yeah, Kevin Durant versus his, this entire Cavs team. Kevin Durant can win one on five by himself. So, man, oh, man, Cavaliers, folks. What the hell is this? They lose 120 to 115 last night. Unacceptable. Truly unacceptable. All right, next game up here, we got the Rockets at the Nets. And the Nets win. <clears throat> they win by 13, but this spread was 17. <laughs> you know what I mean? So once again, Nets not living up to Vegas's hype on them. You should have won by 17 points. You only won by 13. Is this concerning? Yeah, maybe not a lot, but I think a little bit concerning. Where's the dominance of the Nets? It's against the Rockets. This shouldn't even have been a contest. You should have won. You should have got up 40 nothing to start the game and then won by 40 at the end of the game. But you win by 13. Don't cover the spread. All right, Nets get the win, 118-105 for the Nets last night. Kyrie Irving, 42.6 assists, a hell of a game shot, 8 of 16 from the three. Kevin Durant, only 18 points last night on 30% shooting. That's a little lackluster of what we know. Bruce Brown, 15 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds. Andre Drummond, 10 points, 11 rebounds. Patty Mills. Patty Mills in the game because no Seth Curry, so Patty Mills fills in at the two. And has Patty Mills been good at all this entire year, folks? No. Was he good last night? No. Patty Mills, six points on 25% shooting. And get this, folks, a minus seven on the floor. A minus seven on the floor against the Rockets. Played 25 minutes, a minus seven. The worst plus minus. There was only two players in minus territory last night. One was Patty Mills at a minus seven. The other was LaMarcus Aldridge, a minus three off the bench, which is truly uncharacteristic by LaMarcus Aldridge. So we can give him the benefit of the doubt. We can give him a little bit, a little bit of a free pass. Patty Mills, this is him on the rag. Minus seven on the rag. That is actually maybe his best performance of the season so far, minus seven. So, Patty Mills, so, so bad. So, so bad on this Nuts team. So, once again, having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving carry this team to just a little bit of a good win against a Rockets team. Yikes. Kevin Porter Jr., 36 points. Jalen Green, 30 points. Where's the defense of the Nets, folks? We know that's their biggest struggle defense, and it even was proven last night against a Rockets team. All right, folks, if this is who you're afraid of, that's fine, but, you know, y'all are, you know, if you think this is scary, I got some news for you, folks. I got some news for you, folks. There's, you, you must find something even more terrifying then. If you think this is scary, man, oh, man, all right. All right, let's get the win, 118 to 105. And now, yeah, yeah, this is what I want to see. Yes, can everybody take, no, a 29-point win last night for the Heat. Hornets at the Heat. Heat get the win, 144 to 115. Utter dominance. Yes, minus five and a half for the Heat last night. They win by 29. Dominance. Going above and beyond the bar that Vegas set for them. Obliterating that bar when the 76ers couldn't obliterate the bar. When the Nets couldn't obliterate the bar. The Heat obliterate the bar without Kyle Lowry. Without their starting point guard. They get it done. So they were even down a player last night and still get it done. Yes. Yes. Shout out to the Heat, folks. Yes, they're an absolute dominant win last night. 
We had Gabe Vincent filling in at the one for Kyle Lowry, and he only had two points, five assists. That's nothing Kyle Lowry-esque. We had Jimmy Butler, 27 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. Bam Adebayo, 22 points, 9 rebounds. Max Drew still in the starting lineup, 12 points, shot 3 of 5 from the 3. The bench was absolutely on fire last night for the Heat. Tyler Hero, 35 points, 6 assists, shot 6 of 10 from the 3. Definitely is 6 man of the year. There is no debate. There hasn't been debate all year long. And Tyler Hero is proving once again why he is the undisputed 6 man of the year last night. We had Kayla Martin off the bench, 12 points, and Duncan Robinson coming off the bench, 7 of 11 from 3, 21 points, one of his best games of the season coming off the bench. Yes. Uh, now, Max Drews was a minus 5 on the floor, which is truly not good uh, for the Heat, especially winning by 29 points. So I hope Eric Spolstra doesn't kind of overreact to Max Drews not playing good one game or not being great one game in the starting lineup, and he doesn't kind of revert back to Duncan Robinson. So I hope... Eric Spolster, the head coach for the Heat, can hold strong in Max Drews in the starting lineup and not replace him with Duncan Robinson over one game, but we'll see what happens. Yes, Duncan Robinson was great one game, but we've seen greatness by Duncan Robinson in one game and then flounder for the next 10. We've seen that. So let's not get uh, uh, a little bit lost in this great performance by Duncan Robinson and start saying, oh, yeah, he should be back in the starting lineup and all that. No, no, no. No, no, no. Let's take it a little slowly here. Yes? So the Heat absolutely blow out the Hornets last night. <coughs> and just unfortunately for the Hornets, I mean, they're not going to win a seven-game series here. It's unfortunate. You know, they show some nice glimpses, some nice stretches. But overall, in a seven-game series, it really doesn't matter who they play. Even if they play the Bulls, I don't even know. If they could beat the Bulls first round in the seven-game series. So, once again, this Hornets team did not get any better from last season to this season. Still overall lacklusterness really kind of all throughout the lineup. Yes, they go on some nice three-point uh, three stretches, but so do a lot of other great teams in the league. That's not going to win in the playoffs. It's just not. So, Hornets... Uh, uh, yeah, they're going to make the... Well, they may make the playoffs. They've made the playing tournament. They still have to try and make the playoffs, which is going to be tough. They got to face the Hawks first round and then beat the winner of the uh, the loser of the Cavs and the Nets, which they may be able to beat the Cavs. They may be able to do that. But overall, if they're claiming the eighth seed, they got the Heat. No. If they get the second seed, they have to face the Celtics. No. You may steal one game against the Celtics, but overall, Mason Plumlee, it's not a great big where he's going to make that impact where the Celtics are going to be missing Robert Williams in that series. So it's not looking good for the Hornets out here, folks. They get absolutely dominated. This is not a team that is built to win a seven-game series. We have LaMelo Ball, 18 points, 14 assists. That's all fantastic, but it doesn't win. Miles Bridges, 29 points, absolutely fantastic. Doesn't win. I'm losing by 29 points. I mean, we need more offensive production here, more consistent offensive production. Mason Plumlee, four points on two shots. He hit 100%, but we know Mason Plumlee's not an offensive big. Terry Rozier went one of six from the three. We know he lives and die by the three. 16 points last night off the bench. Jalen McDaniels, 11 points off the bench, was their leading bench score. Kelly Oubre Jr. shot 28%. We've seen this by him. So for this Hornets team, it's not looking right, folks. It's just not your year. You need more pieces. You need something else to try and do make a splash. At the, at the minimum next season in the Eastern Conference. So, Hornets, you get a big, you can may, maybe do some damage next season, but got to get that great big first.
Heat dominate, folks. 144 to 115 last night. All right, next game up here, we get the Hawks at the Raptors. A man, a man, a, not a good loss here for this Hawks team. We need this Hawks team to start showing us something great. They were on, what, that four or five game win streak looking good, but this was a huge, great test last night for the Hawks to go out and beat an upper echelon team to be like, hey, we are legit. It took us a little bit longer than expected to get to this point, but we're here at playoff time. Hey, we showed up just in time, but that's not the case for the Hawks. They lose by 10 last night 118 to 108 and nobody could be clutch for this Hawks team Bogdanovich missing threes Trey Young missing threes late in the fourth quarter like the final 30 seconds 45 seconds when they're down one two three points and then they miss the three so then they have to play the foul game and it's just over from that point so no clutchness by this Hawks team where everybody was kind of clutch last season last season what made the Hawks so dangerous was their clutch ability their closeout ability late in the fourth quarter Trey Young, Bogdanovich hitting absolutely absurd threes to extend these closeout games and to overcome deficits. But that was the biggest change from last season to this season. No clutch ability on this team. And we saw it again last night. Not where you want to be heading into the playoffs or for this Hawks team heading into the play-in tournament. Good luck. So, Trey Young, 26 points, 15 assists, fantastic, 3 of 8 from the 3, meh, missing him down the stretch. We had Kevin Herter, 21 points, Clint Capella, 10 points, 14 rebounds, DeAndre Hunter, 20.6 rebounds, so the starter's pretty solid overall. Bogdanovich shot 5 of 12 from the 3 last night, 19 points, 9 rebounds, but not hitting those clutch 3s, womp, womp, and the Hawks lose because of it. And then for the Raptors, once again, their starting five goes strong. Fred Van Vliet, 12 points, 9 assists. Gary Trent Jr., 14 points. Siakam, Siakam, 31 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. Absolute magnificent night. Scotty Barnes, 19 points. And Ken Birch just playing the five, a nice little light, 5.8 rebounds. Got great bench contribution from Chris Boucher coming off the bench, 18.7 rebounds. And Precious, 11 points off the bench. So enough for this Raptors team to get it done. They lock up defensively folks we know the starting five is great Siakam's defense Barnes defense locks it up at the end and the Hawks can't do anything so Raptors get the win 118 to 108 over the Hawks last night Alrighty, and then the best value of last night, folks. Bucks at the Bulls. Bucks minus six. I think it climbed up to six and a half by game time, but that was the best bet of the night, folks. And they win. They cover it. 127, 106 win. A nice 21 point win for the Bucks last night against the Bulls. Do we? Does it need to be said, folks? Does it, does it need to be said? If it needs to be said, I'll say it. But I know it doesn't need to be said. So are we all just on the same page? Yes. Bulls classic, Bucks classic. Are we? Uh, is that? Will that suffice? I think that can suffice, folks. So, Bucks get the win, folks. Like we all know they would. Giannis, 18 points, seven assists, nine rebounds. Chris Middleton, 19 points. Brooke Lopez led the team at scoring, 28 points, seven rebounds. Vucevic, what are we doing? Drew Holiday, 11 points, 13 assists. Off the bench, Bobby Portis, 13 points, nine rebounds. Grayson Allen off the bench, 13 points. So is this where Grayson Allen fills in the best, fits in the best off the bench? Because we had Wesley Matthews at the two, 11 points, which is basically what Grayson Allen does. And Wesley Matthews may be a little bit of a better defender than Grayson Allen, maybe. So Bucks. 
maybe getting deep at the right time, having an extra guard now with Wesley, Wesley Matthews. So it's all coming together. This is the scary team. This is the team everybody should be afraid of. And we learned that last night if we didn't learn it already. And then for the Bulls, yeah, DeMar DeRozan, great 40-point night, 61% shooting, classic DeMar DeRozan, but it results in a loss. Vucevic, 7.6 rebounds. The hell? One of six from the three by Vucevic, 15% shooting on 19 shots? The hell is that? No Zach Levine last night, so obviously nobody's going to step up. Kobe White off the bench, 13 points, was the third leading scorer last night. Once again, why is he not in the starting lineup? AO, nine points and one assist. What? What? Alex Caruso, no points but eight assists. Took six shots. What? What? So, Bulls are classic Bulls. They're absolutely bad, and the Bucks blow them out and show them why. They win by 21, folks, 127, 106. Stop it with the Bulls. Stop it with the Bulls. That's another one. You know, we, you know, and y'all have kind of stopped it with the Bulls, so that's why they're not kind of, you know, one of the three that y'all truly have to cut it out with. Doc Rivers, the Lakers, and the Jazz, or in the Nets, excuse me. So, Bulls, y'all did kind of drop off on the Bulls, so I appreciate y'all for that. But, uh, you know, let's keep, let's keep this in mind, folks. The Bulls are not a good team, <laughs> okay? Bucks get the win, 127-106. to 106. All right, next game up here, Wizards at the Timberwolves. And what the hell, Timberwolves, why are we losing to this Wizards team right now? Come on, come on. They get absolutely blown out, 132-114. to 114. Porzingis, a fantastic night, 25 points, 8 rebounds. We had Daniel Gafford coming off the bench, 24 points, 12 rebounds. Danny Avidege, 17 points, 5 assists, 8 rebounds off the bench. Ish Smith, 11 points, 14 assists, 8 rebounds coming off the bench. What? What, Timberwolves? We cannot be losing against this Wizards team at the current moment. This is a big-time loss, and we've got power rankings re-updated on Friday. We're going to go from uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, update them on Friday, another kind of three-day stretch in the NBA. And this Timberwolves team, where do we have them sitting currently? Timberwolves currently the seventh seed. Come on. You're, you're number seven in our power rankings and losing to the Wizards at the back end of the season? Uh, we're taking this into consideration, Timberwolves, and not a good look for the Timberwolves last night. Let's start with their big three. D'Angelo Russell, 17 points, 11 assists. I'll take it. Carl Anthony Towns, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. I'll take it. Anthony Edwards, 18 points on 1 of 6 from the three, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. It was pretty good overall. And the role players by this Timberwolves team, Malik Beasley, 14 points, solid. We had Jared Vanderbilt shoot 100% on three shots for eight points. Off the bench, we got some solid production. Teron Prince, 11 points, two assists, three rebounds. Jalen Noel, 11 points, three rebounds. So it wasn't overall bad by everybody, but we didn't get that kind of closer at the end of the game. We didn't have that kind of superstar to go above and beyond and do his thing. So Timberwolves, come on, cannot be losing to this Wizards team come on unacceptable hopefully this is just a loss teams lose it's unfortunate you know it's when you're losing two three four games in a row or losing and winning and then losing again and then winning again and then losing and then winning and then winning and winning and losing and losing and losing kind of going 500 you know those are concerning things so hopefully this is just kind of a one-off loss by the Timberwolves they step it up in their next game but this is bad optically folks losing at home to the Wizards can't be doing that. Timberwolves lose 132 to 114. All right, then we get the Blazers at the Thunder. Thunder win 98 to 94. Both these gate both these teams are out of the playing tournament, out of the playoffs, so we don't need to break it down. Thunder win by 4, 98 to 94. 
Alright, and this is what I mean. Team stepping up. Yes, 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 it is possible. Spurs, nine-point underdogs last night at the Nuggets, and they go out and win the game by uh, 19 points, folks. The Spurs win 116-97 to 97 over the Nuggets, folks. What a win. No DeJounte Murray last night either. We had Trey Jones filling in at the 1, 14 points, 10 assists. He had a really nice night last night. But not having your star point guard, the 10th seed in the playing tournament, and you go and upset the Nuggets last night on their home floor. An amazing, immaculate win by the Spurs team. Getting it done, grinding out the end of the regular season where LeBron is phoning it in. What a win by the Spurs last night. Jacob Poto, 14 points, 8 rebounds. Keldon Johnson, 20 points, 8 rebounds. Devin Vassell, 20 points, 8 rebounds. Off the bench, Josh Richardson, 18 points. Zach Collins, 13 points. 7 rebounds. Kiete Bates Diop, 8 points, 3 rebounds off the bench. It's all coming together here for the Spurs at the back end of the year. Go out and get it done and be a tough out in this playing tournament. Let's quickly see who they're facing. If the season ended today, the Spurs are the 10th seed, so it'd be Pelican-Spurs in the first-round matchup, and that's going to be a tough game for the Pelicans. I still give the Pelicans a win there, but it's it's an overall a tough out for the Pelicans at the end of the day. So the Spurs, they have a chance. They have a chance. The Clippers, Timberwolves, that's kind of the 7-8 matchup, so I see the Clippers winning that. So the Spurs, all they have to do is beat the Pelicans and the Timberwolves to get into the playing tournament. Well, yeah, just the way that we saw the Timberwolves play last night. This is possible for the Spurs, folks. So maybe the Spurs get into the playoffs, get that eighth seed, have to face the Suns round one, which is unfortunate. There's no way that they beat the Suns in a seven-game series, but maybe they steal a game. I don't know if they steal two, but they make it kind of interesting. So shout out to the Spurs of holding on to this dream of making a run at the end of the year in the playing tournament. They may be able to do something. May. May. Low odds, but they may be able to do something out here. Shout out to the Spurs team, folks. Absolutely fantastic. And then for the Nuggets, we had Jokic trying to hold it down. 41 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Tried his damnedest. Aaron Gordon, 18 points, 13 rebounds. You know, close to that 20-plus point. And then this is why, you know, another reason of why we say Jokic should be the MVP. I mean, nobody else. There was only two players to score 10 or more points. Jokic and Aaron Gordon. Everybody else, nine or less. Will Barton, nine points on 25% shooting. Austin Rivers, eight points on 50% shooting. Monte Morris, four points on 22% shooting. Bryn Forbes off the bench, only took two shots, two points. Six minutes. Why is that? Bones Highland, who we can all, you know, always kind of rely on. Seven points last night on 42% shooting. So, Jokic has absolutely no help, really, for the most part. Which is why his MVP case is a little bit tighter, in my opinion, than Giannis and Joel Embiid's. But Jokic not able to overcome all of this last night. And the Spurs take advantage, get the win 116-97. to 
All right, next game up, we got the Grizzlies at the Jazz, and the Grizzlies plus six points. It was fantastic value. Unfortunately, they lose by six. They lose 121 to 115 to the Jazz in overtime, but, but this is not a, oh, the Jazz beat the Grizzlies. Oh, now the Jazz are good, or, the, or, the, or that the Grizzlies lost to the Jazz. Now the Grizzlies aren't good, and the Grizzlies still aren't our number one team in our power rankings. No, 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 no. The Jazz were still absolutely trash, and almost Almost once again blew another lead. Almost blew another lead out here with the final 10 seconds, 8 seconds left in regulation. We get the Jazz up 108 to 109. Donovan Mitchell gets fouled, fouled with five seconds left, up one, and he splits the free throws, misses a free throw, only makes one, so instead of being up three, forcing the Grizzlies to shoot up a three just to tie the game, Donovan Mitchell, not clutch, a Jazz player, not clutch at the end of the game. When have we seen this before, folks, right? Donovan Mitchell not being clutched, splits his free throws, allows the Grizzlies to only be down two points with five seconds left. And what happens? They shoot up a three that does not go, but they get the offensive rebound. The Jazz allow an offensive rebound and a putback. With like one second left to tie up the game because Donovan Mitchell couldn't hit the free throw. So yes, the Jazz got it done in overtime, but they still almost beefed it at the end of regulation of what we see all the time by this Jazz team. So this is just a classic Jazz team and the Grizzlies couldn't get it done in overtime once again without John Morant. So no, 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 nothing changes. Our opinions, our narratives, our takes don't change on the Grizzlies losing and the Jazz winning last night. Because we saw these teams be what they actually are. The Grizzlies are really, really good without John Morant. The Jazz, they blow games. They blow leads. They almost did it again last night. So, nothing changes because of the matchup last night, folks. Yes, the Jazz get the win. Donovan Mitchell, 20 points, 5 assists, 9 rebound shot, 1 of 9 from the 3. Yeah, that's going to win in the playoffs. Rudy Gobert, 22 points, 21 rebounds for a 0. He was a 0 on the floor. With 22 rebounds and or 22 points and 21 rebounds, that gets you an overall zero producer number. Donovan Mitchell minus six on the floor, floor, floor. Uh, Royce O'Neal minus 13 on the floor, six points. Bohan Bogdanovich three of six from the three, 13 points, three steals, two assists, four rebounds, minus four in a win. So once again, yes, the Jazz win, but this does not move the needle for us on the Jazz. Now, they did get great bench production. Finally, Hassan Whiteside, 14 points, 10 rebounds. Jordan Clarkson, 22 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Rudy Gay, only 2 points last night. Okay. But overall, you know, the, the good bench players that we do like to, you know, shout out. Jordan Clarkson, Hassan Whiteside, even Rudy Gay. They kind of got it done last night. So, finally, that, that, that's kind of the only takeaway last night. Hassan Whiteside back doing good things for the bench for this Jazz team. But overall, almost still lost. 
And then for the Grizzlies, once again, still without John Morant, Tyus Jones, 24 points, 5 assists. Desmond Bain, 23 points. Steven Adams, 3 points, 8 assists, 13 rebounds. Jaron Jackson, 28 points, 7 rebounds. Off the bench, DeAnthony Melton, 11 points, 10 rebounds. Kyle Anderson, 8 points. I'll take it. So once again, this Grizzlies team is still very, very good. Unfortunately, lost against the Jazz. They were on, what, a 7-8 game winning streak? They lose. That's what happens in the NBA. You play 82 games, you lose a game here and there. It's when it starts to become a habit It is when it's concerning. So, yeah, the Grizzlies lose a game here. It's okay. They're still the number one team in our power rankings. Jazz get the win, 121-115 in overtime. Uh, Jazz are still the Jazz that we all know. Not good. All right, then we get the Pelicans at the Kings. Pelicans take care of business, winning 123 to 109. They cover the spread, minus seven, seven and a half, and they end up winning by 14, folks, 123 to 109. So, once again, taking care of business. Nets couldn't. 76ers couldn't. For the Pelicans last night, folks, CJ McCollum, 23 points, 4 steals, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. Yes, sir. No Valanchunas last night, so Willie Hernandez Gomez at the 5, 12 points, 12 rebounds. Definitely not Valanchunas-esque, but overall a solid performance. And then Brandon Ingram, 17 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Jackson Hayes steps it up. Love it. 23 points, 12 rebounds. Absolutely fantastic. And then look at this bench, folks. Larry Nance Jr. played last night, 10 points, 4 rebounds. Trey Murph. 14 points, and Devontae Graham, 14 points, 2 assists last night. So, yeah, yeah, Pelicans winning without Valanchunas. Jackson Hayes getting it done. The bench getting it done. The Pelicans, folks, all right. Yes, sir, great team. Cannot wait to watch, cannot wait to watch them in the playing tournament, absolutely. So, once again, the Spurs, yeah, maybe, maybe you won't be able to get it done against the Pelicans. And then for the Kings, once again, no Sabonis. Davian Mitchell in the starting lineup for De'Aaron Fox. And Davian Mitchell, 15 points, 17 assists. Yeah, yeah. Does it need to be said again, folks? I don't think it does. Pelicans get the win, 123-109. to And then the final game of the night, the Lakers must needed to win last night because the Spurs won. So the Lakers needed to win to keep an opportunity going to reclaim that 10th seed in the playing tournament, but they did not do it. Suns win 121 to 110. No LeBron for the Lakers last night. Uh, we'll get to them in a second, but let's start here with the Suns since they got the win. Chris Paul only six points, but he did have 12 assists. Fantastic. Devin Booker, 32 points, seven rebounds. DeAndre in 22 points, 13 rebounds. Magnificent. McCall Bridges, 10 points. And then the bench, Cameron Payne, four points, but he had 11 assists. I'll take that. Cameron Johnson, 12 points. JaVale McGee, 9 points, 9 rebounds. Laundry Shaman, 9 points. Torrey Craig, 9 points. Yeah, yeah. Suns all coming together at the right time. You love to see it. And then for the Lakers, Anthony Davis, 21 points, 13 rebounds. He tried his damnedest, but it wasn't enough. Russell Westbrook, 28 points, only 3 assists, 5 rebounds, but he was the leading scorer. 6 turnovers as well, unfortunate. And then Malik Monk, also in the starting lineup, 7 points. Yawn, Malik Monk, we needed you to step up all year long, and you haven't. So this is a little bit on Malik Monk as well. Yes, it's on LeBron for not playing. Yes, it's on Anthony Davis for once again being injury-riddled. But Malik Monk, no excuse for you not to be 
putting up the points, and you were not putting up the points at all this year. So Lakers lose. They're officially eliminated from the playoffs, officially eliminated from the playing tournament, and we can all move on with our basketball talk because we don't need to be bogged down by a team not in the playoffs anymore. Yes? Yes. Suns get to win 121 to 110. Alrighty, that was all the NBA from last night. Now let's see what we have on tap tonight in the NBA. Let's see if we can sniff out even greater value than there was last night. Truly unfortunate that we missed talking about the Bucks minus six, six and a half, whatever you locked it in. We locked it in at Bucks minus six and a half, but it didn't matter. Once again, they win by 20 plus. So, where is that great Bucks value last night today, folks? Yes, let's find and sniff it out. Here we go. A few games on tonight in the NBA, but let's start with the first one up here. Mavericks at the Pistons. Mavericks minus 8.5. Pistons plus 8.5. Now, we know this Pistons team is still competitive, folks. Even though they've got nothing to play for, three-game winning streak, getting it done, always being competitive. So, them getting plus 8.5 points here looks pretty appetizing. For the Mavericks, we get Tim Hardaway Jr. is still out, and Maxi Kleber is out as well. For the Pistons, ooh, Kelly Olynyk is out, and that's a little bit of their competitive piece. Another great bench, three-point shooting big, and Kelly Olynyk. So him being out, ugh, ugh, maybe we don't like it as much as we did. Um, Hamadio Diallo out, Marvin Bagley. So they're going to be having Sadiq Bey, uh, Cade Cunningham. He'll be out there as well. We get Isaiah Stewart, too. Just once again, truly just missing Jeremy Grant. And I think I'm still rocking with the Pistons, folks. And I know it sounds crazy to say at this point in time, I'm going to be betting on the Pistons. But give me the eight and a half points, folks. We've seen this Mavericks team be a little bit up and down, getting blown out by the Wizards a couple of games ago. Once again, the Mavericks, you know, live and die by the three. They did beat the Bucks by six. That's a great win their last game. But overall, this Pistons team, they are sneaky competitive. Mavericks on the road. Mm -mm -mm, maybe not the best. Um, they show up. You know, I mean, they did show up to play against the Bucks. I'm not here to knock this Mavericks team or anything like that. Y'all know we like this Mavericks team. They're winning and dying by the three. More winning than dying, but still, it's still true. Uh, but overall, Pistons at home, they're not phoning it in. They've all got, you know, they're all kind of playing for next year. They're all playing to be like, hey, I can be the guy next year and all that. So... I'm going to go the Pistons plus eight and a half points here, folks. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what I'm doing. Pistons plus the eight over the Mavericks. All right, next game up here, we get the Nets at the Knicks. Oh, Nets on the back-to-back. -back. Interesting, interesting. But now, unfortunately, we can't bet on the Knicks because they've got nothing to play for, and the Knicks with nothing to play for is one of the worst things you could ever really bet on, honestly. Uh, no great value there, and y'all know we can't even bet on the Nets minus five, but what is funny is that the spread is only Nets minus five, so I'm assuming a lot of outs or just no believability from Vegas on the Nets, which is truly hilarious. So here we go. Nets at the Knicks. Nets minus five. Knicks plus five. Ins and outs for the Nets. Seth Curry, a game time decision, and Goran Dragic is still out, so Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving both playing, and it's still only minus five. That's so comical. And then for the Knicks, we get Derrick Rose out, uh, Julius Randle out as well, and Miles McBride, a game-time decision. So it's just going to be R.J. Barrett. Is R.J. Barrett going to be able to upset the Nets by himself? It's a big possibility. We'll stay away from betting it because we can't bet, bet, the, Knicks. We can't bet the Knicks and we can't bet the Nets. So we got to stay away from it. 
Uh, but that spread is so funny, folks. That spread is so funny. Nets minus five. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Do you know what the Bucks would be against the Knicks? Like minus 50, okay? Nets minus five. That tells you all you need to know. Now Vegas is off of the Nets. How crazy is that? Vegas is off of the Nets. Wow. Wow. And, you know, Vegas, they see where you bet. They know what y'all love. And I know y'all are loving the Nets. I, I, I would say y'all are putting a lot of money on the Nets almost on a consistent basis, which is uh, comical. Did you just see him not cover the spread against the Rockets last night? So this spread is so funny here, folks. Vegas is out on the Nets. You should be out on the Nets as well. All right, next game up here, we get the Celtics at the Bulls. Bulls on the back-to-back, and look at this spread, folks. Celtics minus seven, Bulls plus seven. Yes, yes. So Vegas is still giving the Celtics love without Robert Williams. For the Celtics, we get Al Horford a game-time decision, Jalen Brown a game-time decision, Jason Tatum a game-time decision. What the heck is going on with that? Why are they game-time decisions? I'm assuming they play based on the spread. Let's see what we get here. On NBA Fantasy Labs, we get Alex Caruso is now doubtful, and he's on the Bulls. So, wow, wow, wow. We'll get to that in a second. Um, And that's really it. We get no information on our Celtics guys. Interesting, interesting. All right, I'm assuming they're playing here tonight, folks. So, a lot of question marks for the Celtics. And then for the Bulls, we get... uh, Oh, what the hell? Oh, here, here we go. Uh, Alex Caruso, game-time decision, but now we heard he's doubtful. Zach Levine, game-time decision. Jer- Derek Jones Jr., also a game-time decision. We love Derek Jones Jr. You all know how we feel about him. He's now listed as probable. So, <clears throat> Bulls on the back-to-back. Uh, you all know how we feel about back-to-backs, but uh, you know, you all know how we feel about this Bulls team as well. I'm ready to bet on the Celtics team. I'm still loving the Celtics. It's the end of the year, folks. Through the back-to-backs, there's only so many more days we can bet regular season in the NBA, so let's take advantage. Celtics minus the seven, breaking our not betting back-to-back rules and all that. The Bulls are not good. We know this. Celtics minus seven. Uh, Celtics minus seven. The Bucks were only minus six and a half against the Bulls. Respect to Celtics. I love this respect factor by Vegas absolutely well done I'll take the Celtics minus seven here tonight all right then we get the Wizards at the Hawks Wizards plus ten and a half Hawks minus ten and a half both these teams on the back-to-back but we don't care uh we know the Wizards do get it done so Wizards plus ten and a half is looking appetizing here uh for the Wizards uh Kyle Kuzma's game time decision are they gonna have Kyle Kuzma play I thought they were shutting that man down for the rest of the season. But here he is, game-time decision. And then for the Hawks, we get just Daniel Gallinari, game-time decision. But this Hawks team, floundering as of recently, kind of, at least last night. Um, Wizards, kind of getting it done. Every other game is a little bit of hit and miss here. So I will stay away from betting this game overall. But I would not bet on the Hawks. I would stay away from betting the Hawks. If I had to bet this game, I would take the 10.5 with the Wizards. But... We know the Wizards are a little bit up and down. Porzingis has a great game, then he has a mediocre game, and they get blown out. So I'm going to stay away from that just because of that reason alone. Um, but do not bet the Hawks here tonight, folks. Stay away from betting the Hawks. All right, next game up, we got the Thunder at the Jazz. Thunder plus 17.5, Jazz minus 17.5. And, and both these teams on the back-to-back, the Thunder are trash. But I'm about to throw this bet out here, folks. I'm about to just throw this bet out here. I'm taking the Thunder plus 17.5. There's no way the Jazz cover. They'll blow the game. They'll blow the lead like they always do. I'll take all those points. I know this Thunder team has absolutely nobody playing, but I know it's the Jazz. So I'll take the 17.5, thank you. And then the last game of the night here, we get the Suns at the Clippers. Suns plus 2.5, Clippers minus 2.5 here. 
for the Suns, everybody's good to go. And for the Clippers, Norman Powell's a game-time decision. So does he make his debut? He was looking good on the floor the other night, folks. But, but, this value is crazy. Suns plus 2.5. I know the Suns are on the back-to-back, -back, but they're the best team in the league. Of course they know back-to-back. -back. They, don't, they don't shy on a back-to-back. -back. This Clippers team... Having Paul George back is definitely huge. It's a huge flame for this Clippers team. But overall, we're talking about the Suns. The Suns and the Grizzlies are the two teams that are just truly out. Uh, the Suns and the Bucks. I can't. Uh, let me do the Suns. Let me just focus a little bit more narrow on the Suns. Grizzlies can maybe hop onto this as well. But the Suns are just truly, there's such a gap, folks. When we're talking about the best teams in the league, you could put the Suns in there. You can maybe put the Grizzlies. I can maybe put the Grizzlies in there. Maybe Bucks. Maybe. Huge maybe on that. But the Suns truly just separate themselves from the rest of the field here. And the Clippers are in the rest of the field category. So I'm going to take the two and a half here, folks. Screw it. I'll take that value. Suns plus two and a half. We are no longer following our back-to-back -back rules. It's the stretch. A lot of teams are kind of playing every day, every other day, stuff like that. Back-to-backs here and there. Final seven, eight days of the regular season, folks. So we're not going to hold ourselves back here once again. Yes, we can bet, bet NBA playoffs, but it's a little bit harder because it is seven-game series and all that. So, um, you know, it's hard to find the value. And once Vegas gets a sniff of the value, they cut it out in the next game. So it's not like we can kind of parlay value on top of value and all that. So we're not going to be hindering ourselves to bet in the NBA because we know it does not last forever and it is coming to an end. So this is what we've got rocking tonight, folks. Here we go. We're taking the Pistons plus eight and a half, the Celtics minus seven, the Thunder plus 17 and a half, and the Suns plus two and a half, folks. Loving, loving that Suns plus two and a half bet, absolutely. Alrighty, that is all the NBA we had to go over for today, so now let's shift gears back to the NFL. Let's start breaking down some stories, and we may be able to get to Malik Willis today, folks. Maybe, maybe. It's still on the board. We'll see how these stories go. So here we go. Let's start talking about what's going on in the NFL. And we got to back it up a little bit to yesterday. We were not here yesterday. Truly unfortunate. And there was a big, big old trade that went down yesterday. And it was a draft pick trade. Draft pick trade, folks. Eagles and the Saints trading tons of draft picks here. So let's recap what happened in the trade pick trade here we go eagles they get the 18th pick in this year's draft they get a third round pick in this year's draft a seventh round pick in this year's draft then a first round pick in next year's draft and a second round pick in the 2024 draft now the saints get a 16th pick this year's draft 19th pick in this year's draft and a sixth rounder in this year's draft so overall the eagles kind of giving the saints two first round draft picks in this year's draft for only one first round pick in this year's draft and a first round pick in next year's draft so eagles kind of spreading out their draft picks uh throughout the years which is, it's okay you know that's fine once again, we're not the biggest believer in draft picks overall, but the Saints here are looking to be aggressive now. Dennis Allen does not want a rebuild overall, taking the reins year one from Sean Payton. You know, Dennis Allen knows, hey, I kind of need to keep up this winning tradition now for the Saints because if the Saints start losing, then everyone's calling for Dennis Allen's job. This is not, you know, the Saints' way, all of that. Sean Payton was better, all of that, which we all know Sean Payton's better, but 
but, you know, Dennis Allen wants to make his run at it and everything like that. So he's in a tough spot quarterback-wise, talent-wise overall, receiver-wise. Will Michael Thomas still be good coming off the injury from last season and all that? So the Saints, they are a little little bit in desperation mode, so they go out and secure more first-round pick talent to try and be competitive this season. Where the Eagles, they feel they're good now, and they want to build for the future. And honestly, I love what Nick Sirianni is doing. They're not. This isn't even like a rebuild. The Eagles were still competitive last season, got into the playoffs. That's absolutely big. This is not a rebuild for the Eagles, but they are still kind of building a little bit, and they're getting better and better and better every single season. Once again, Nick Sirianni blew us away last season on what he was able to accomplish with the Eagles. The Eagles are an overall overall well-balanced team, and if we get upgraded play by Jalen Hurts here this season, this Eagles team is going to be dangerous, especially in the future now, because now they have extra draft picks to keep building and completing this already competitive roster. They were 9-8 and eight last season with Jalen Hurts just kind of being a game manager. So if we get Jalen Hurts playing absolutely great, Yeah, this Eagles team is going to have all the picks to bolster up their talent. Devontae Smith, a great receiver, young as heck. We get Zach Poshkel, Quez Watkins. You've got Dallas Goddard at the tight end position. They got Miles Sanders and Boston Scott for their running backs. I mean, this is a real complete team overall. Nick Sirianni able to kind of take, you know, uh, mediocre slash above average talent and turn it into something even better. So I think the Eagles really won the trade overall because the Eagles are good now and now they're good for the future as well because they've got so many draft picks, higher round draft picks in the next few seasons. Where the Saints, I think this was a little bit of a panic move. Um, I, you know, just looking at the Saints roster, I don't even know if this is a good roster anymore, at least offensively. Uh, let's get it up here. Jameis Winston, you know, we don't even know. Once again, the whole offense, we did not like the Saints offense last season, um, really at all. I didn't really even like the the philosophy of the Saints offense. I really didn't even like anything about the Saints offense. Y'all know that, you know, we were talking, Hey, you know, they're not even taking any deep shots, anything like that. Holding Jameis Winston back a little bit. Now the quarterback carousel definitely threw him off a little bit last season. But overall, we saw everybody that came into that uh, quarterback spot, you know, Trevor Simeon, be solid at least, a game manager at the minimum. And the Saints offense, I think, was still struggling a little bit. Now we have Dennis Allen, defensive guy at the head coaching position, taking on a not good Saints offense. I mean, we had Alvin Kamara just kind of phoning it in. He wore it on his face all year long. He was not going 100%. You, you saw that by just looking at his facial expressions. It seemed like he didn't even want to play last season because of that kind of quarterback carousel going on with the injuries. Truly unfortunate. So we have Alvin Kamara, who was not a leader last season, now without Sean Payton, still with Jameis Winston at the starting quarterback, and no offensive guy at the head coaching position. Alvin Kamara's not, I mean, he's not going to want to play for the Saints anymore, folks. He's not going to want to go 100%. And then we have Michael Thomas, who, can he stay healthy? Can he even be good coming off the injury and all that? So I don't love the Saints offense now. They got Dennis Allen, defensive guy at the head coaching position, and now they're trying to get draft picks for what? What is their plan in this year's draft? So, I mean, with this trade right here to give up what they gave up for just two picks... 
in the first round. I mean, there better be a plan here. So this is going to be a big, big story when we do our live draft show for day one. We're going to see what the Saints do and kind of see, is this a win for the Saints? Overall, first day, the Eagles won the trade. Absolutely. But, but if the Saints do have a plan in place for the draft, maybe, maybe then they can make the argument that they actually won the trade. Now, what is also interesting Interesting here. Another reason why the Eagles absolutely swindled the Saints is because look at how the draft order goes for the first round. Because the Eagles draft before the Saints both times. So, you know, the Eagles can truly stick it to the Saints if they're still liking the same player, the same position. Eagles have first pick both times. Here it is. We get these are the first round picks, folks. Here we go. Starting at pick 15, Eagles pick, Saints pick. Then we get the Chargers picking at 17, then the Eagles pick at 18, and the Saints pick at 19. So the Eagles are still out in front of the Saints in the draft. Yes, they both have a ton of first-round picks, but the Eagles choose first. So if they're both liking the same position group or the same player, the Eagles will be able to steal them from the Saints, even though the Saints traded with the Eagles to try and get some of these players. That's why you go out and make the trade that they did, because they're interested in some players. Their, their plan is to do this. So it's going to be real interesting how these kind of five picks play out from 15 to 19 with the Eagles choosing before the Saints both times. So... Saints better have a really good plan. Really good plan. And we'll be judging it on draft night. And then here we go. We get Ian Rappaport trying to make sense of this trade because it truly just makes no sense at the end of the day. It's a stupid trade that the Saints did to try to stay relevant here and maybe execute a plan so they don't have to kind of enter a rebuild year. Okay, but Ian Rapport says this, rationale for the Saints, he says this, uh, the tr this trade gives them three picks in the top 50, and hopefully that, n that one next year is a back end. So overall, the Saints, they've, got, they've now got three top 50 picks, so once again, they don't want to rebuild, they just want to shore everything up, they've got a plan, we'll see what that plan is. And then his rationale for the Eagles, which I don't agree with, they, they say that, he says this, they now don't have to pay three first fully guaranteed contracts now that I do agree with because first round contracts they are beefy and not a lot of teams have a lot of um, salary cap space and you know your salary cap goes toward you signing your for your whole draft class and you, overall your whole draft class is probably around like eight to ten million I think eight to ten for, you know, the first year uh, with everybody first rounds through seventh round. You know, so you're looking, you got to kind of budget eight to 10 million for your draft class, maybe six to eight, six to 10. Let's six to 10. We'll have it in that range. So, yes, you know, you, you're kind of saving money on that end. But then he says this, they get an extra one next year, either for a quarterback or to build around a quarterback. So I don't know if they're moving off of Jalen Hurts. I mean, I, that man showed some solid play last season. Nothing great, nothing awful. Overall, solid play needs to clean up the red zone turnovers. But overall, that's going to come with the territory. That's going to come with the time. That's going to come with the reps. That's going to come with the seasons. That's going to come with the experience and all that. So, you know, I don't know if we're worried about Jalen Hurts. I just want Nick Sirianni to focus on Jalen Hurts getting better. So, I don't know if they're looking at quarterback next year. I don't like the Ian Rappaport put that little dig in there. Hey, they're looking for a quarterback next year or, or you know, or, or not if Jalen Hurts pans out. Yeah, I don't know if we need to be talking about that, okay? Just say they got a first-round 
round pick next year, okay? But overall, Eagles truly won the trade. And the Saints, you better hope those number 16 and number 19 pick work out. Because if they don't, you're in for a, whew, a true rebuild. A true rebuild. Because you're going to have no great picks next year. So you better hope it all works out this year. Where your roster currently, I don't even know if Alvin Kamara wants to play for your team anymore. So and Michael Thomas may not even be good anymore. So good luck. Alrighty, here we go. Let's keep going on here in the breaking news today. Stephon Diggs and the Bills have agreed to a four-year, $104 million contract extension with $70 million guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, that's how you do it, Buffalo. Secure your great players, your great receivers, your quarterback's favorite weapon for years to come. That's how you do it, Cowboys. That's how you do it, Packers. Are you listening? Devontae Adams, y'all didn't want to pay him. Y'all stuck him with the franchise tag. And then when he said, hey, I'm not playing under this. What are you, crazy? You try to, you know, pay him after that. He said, no, no, no. the trust, the disrespect is already shown. I'm out of here. And then for the Cowboys, and we're going to talk about the Cowboys in a little bit, this is what you do. You pay your receivers to help out your quarterback. Obviously, um, Josh Allen was never good until Stephon Diggs got here. Now, uh, does that tell the entire picture? Maybe, but also maybe not. We just don't know. We have not seen Josh Allen be good without Stephon Diggs. It's just unfortunate we haven't seen it. Now, we can assume, you know, he could be good without Stephon Diggs. Absolutely, we can assume that. We just haven't seen it, so we can't say it's 100% guaranteed fact. But we do see the increase in offense when Stephon Diggs is out on there on the field. So that's what you do. You go out and pay. You pay when you need to. And the Bills truly needed to pay Stephon Diggs because him and Josh Allen, they got it made, folks. They get it done together like Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. But they let Amari Cooper walk. They let him walk. For what reason? Let me go to this story now. Let me bring up this story now since we're talking about it. Um, let me bring it up. Here we go. Hang on. Where is it? Here we go. The Cowboys. The Cowboys were interested in trading for Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker before he ultimately ended up in New England. Dallas is in the wide receiver market. Now, why would be they be in the wide receiver market? We just saw them get rid of Amari Cooper. And then what did Jerry Jones say when he got rid of Amari Cooper? They thought that money could be better allocated somewhere else. But now here they are still in the market for a wide receiver. So why not just pay Amari Cooper, who has a proven track, record with Dak Prescott like Stephon Diggs has a proven track record with Josh Allen why would you get rid of Amari Cooper if you are still looking for a wide receiver a big tall what is Devontae Parker folks 6'3 what's Amari Cooper what 6'2 6'3 is he even 6'4 I mean a big tall wide receiver so they're in the big tall wide receiver market they're not in the gadget player market they're not in kind of a Debo Samuel market gadget kind of wide back no 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 Devontae Parker tall number one option go up and get it receiver like Amari Cooper so what are we doing I I've lost all I, I I guess I never even I never thought of it so I guess I I guess I can't say it but I was never on with Jerry Jones I never gave it any thought that Jerry Jones had this much 
I know y'all said it all the time. I just never believed it. But I, I guess now I am finally believing it because now I am finally seeing it how y'all saw it. Jerry Jones is hurting this Cowboys team. Jerry Jones may be the worst owner in all of football, folks. And now it's finally, I've finally seen the light, folks. And I'm late on this. I know I'm late on this. Absolutely. Y'all, y'all been saying this for years and years, like decades, almost decades on the Jerry Jones ruining this Cowboys team. And I guess it's always just kind of been the narrative that I never kind of really thought about it. It's always kind of just been in the zeitgeist sports world. Yeah, Jerry Jones is an awful owner. He's ruining this team. And I, once again, I never questioned it. Because in the zeitgeist, it's something that we, uh, we all just kind of, you know, walk around and say and be like, yeah, we all agree on this collectively. Once again, why we are having quarterbacks up for recertifications so we don't get this whole, you know, me mindlessly walking around for the past 10 years just kind of not even thinking about Jerry Jones and how much he's truly hurting this Cowboys team. I mean, I, I should have truly woken up last year when it was Mike McCarthy, the head coach, day one, game one. That's when I truly should have woken up and be like, wow, but they got me. They got their hooks in me because they were, you know, on hard knocks. They were in the limelight, the spotlight, and there was entertainment, and I was getting confused with the entertainment side instead of the actual competition side of hard knocks. So once again, the propaganda, the uh, the programs got me, folks. I got swindled a little bit, not on Mike McCarthy, but overall just the lights and the camera and the entertainment and the flashiness that is Hard Knocks. Got caught up in that. But uh, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, trash, holding this team back, making all these wrong mistakes, doesn't know who to pay, can't evaluate talent, paid Zeke when you should have paid Dak and then had to pay Dak anyway, and now Zeke's not doing anything for the last two seasons and you got all this money tied up in him, so you decide to let Amari Cooper go, even though Amari Cooper's been giving us so much more consistent, better production than Zeke has over the last three years. And then you couple that with, you know, the the Mike McCarthy hire and then bringing in Schott, Brian Schottenheimer to do an offense, just to be an assistant coach for the offense and defensive coordinators. Too many hands in the kitchen here. These are all good ideas by Jerry Jones. That's why they happen because Jerry Jones runs this team. He does it all. That's why you don't. That's why you have Mike McCarthy as a head coach because he you can control him easily. What is Mike 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 Mike, Mike McCarthy's not standing up to anybody, folks. We see that. You literally watch him on the sideline and you know what he is. We know it. We know the guy he is, folks. We all know the person Mike McCarthy is. He's not uh, defending any of his players, okay? He's not standing up to Jerry Jones. We saw that in Hard Knocks. We saw that. Hey, Mike, uh, where's Dak Prescott? <laughs> Why is he not out on the field? Oh, he's inside rehabbing. No, no, no. I want him out on the field. I want him, you know, a part of the team. I want him out here so everybody sees him and all that. And then what happened the next day? Dak Prescott's out on the field. We know Mike McCarthy has no control over this team. It's all Jerry Jones. I'm on it now. And what have we been saying all offseason long? Three wins. Three and 14. And I believe, folks, I believe that the win totals are now bettable. So let's take, should we Should we fancy this a little bit? Should we go into DraftKings and see what the odds are and the win totals are for the Cowboys this season? Because whatever it is, I'm betting the under. Because I know it's not three. Vegas isn't going to be that disrespectful. If it's my sports book, I have the Cowboys win total at five. And I still bet the under. 
But that's just the takes by fan sports book coming um coming any didn't uh, any minute now. We still got to get approval from New York State, but it's coming soon, folks. Be on the lookout. Um. So let's take a little quick look. I'm going to assume they're going to put it at like nine. Nine, because once again, everybody's on the Cowboys for some... I don't understand. They've gotten rid of all their good pieces, and people are still kind of going to bat for the Cowboys. Can we be done with that, please? <laughs> I'm telling you, they will not win more than three games next season. I will put the show on the line for that. I don't care. I will make the bet right now. Cowboys do not win. I'll go like four. Give me, give me, if I'm going to go that low, I like three. But give me a little wiggle room, four. I just need one extra game wiggle room. I won't go crazy like five or six games. Four. I'm going to set the bar at four. I got them predicted at three wins, but maybe, you know, one more win goes crazy so they get four. They will not win more than four games next season, folks. They won't. They won't. And I will bet the show on that. But let's see what Vegas puts the win total at because immediately I will be putting $10,000 on the under. Whatever it is, 5, 8, 9, 10. If it's 11, so help me goodness, I will put $1 million on that under. Are you kidding me? Here we go. Team Futures. We get win totals. Oh, come on. Y'all got to put win totals up. Where are these win totals? I know they're floating around. I've seen some other teams win totals already. Don't tell me this. DraftKings isn't going to play game right now. I got to go to another sports book. Does, it, does another sport? Oh, here we go. Here we go. I was bugging. Bugging. Here it is. All righty. Here we go. Win totals, folks. Win totals. Regular season wins. What do we got with the Cowboys? Go ahead and take your guess. I'm going to guess that they're going to put it at... Huh, what did they do last year? What did they do last year? Did they get 10 wins last year? 11? Um, 2020. Let me see what they did last year before we make our official prediction, what they're going to set the line at. We say that they are going to win only three or four games. They went 12 and five. So yeah, they're probably going to put this win total at like 10, 10 and a half at that, uh, half, half, uh, half point hook. So I'm going to say that Vegas is putting it at 10 and a half wins for the Cowboys, which is going to be easy money. folks. It's going to be so easy money. Here we go. Cowboys win totals. Cowboys win totals. Here we go. Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Exactly. Under. Under. Are you stupid? Are y'all crazy? Under. They're winning three games this season. Under ten and a half. Ten and a half. Are you crazy? Now, shout out to y'all because y'all are seeing it right here. Y'all are betting the under because it's at minus one fifteen. So y'all know. See, y'all are y'all are smarter than sometimes we give a we give you credit for. Sometimes, sometimes, folks. Let's not go overboard. But. Yeah, y'all got it here. Under 10 and a half. Well done. Well done. Now keep hammering this. I want y'all to hammer the under 10 and a half so much that it goes to nine. I want this at the start of the season to be win totals at nine. I want this to be bet down. And I don't even think you can bet these down. I think these are firm, but I want y'all to bet this so much that they that under 10.5 is at like minus 400 odds. I want y'all to force Vegas to keep changing this number lower and lower and lower and lower and lower till we get to five. I want this to be five win total, folks. Yes? Don't disappoint me, folks. Keep betting this. Yes, well done. Well done to y'all. So, Cowboys are not winning this season, folks. I don't know who y'all are looking at. I don't know who y'all are listening to. Obviously, clearly not us for some reason. We don't understand. We never understand why y'all don't listen to us. But, you know, we digress on that. But I, I don't know who y'all are listening to that y'all are getting into the Cowboys this season. They will be so abysmally bad, folks. And look at the division. They won't even be good in their own division. We got Carson Wentz. 
The Washington team may be better than the Cowboys. Daniel Jones, who's shown us nothing. The man literally, honestly, folks, I kind of, you know, I want to go to bat for Daniel Jones. But honestly, what has he shown us? He's shown us nothing. I don't think we could take into account anything this man has done in his first four years. I honestly don't think we could take anything. Maybe his athleticism is the only thing that we could take into account. But the man has been working with nothing. The man has not been in a meaningful game ever in his career. Week one. Week one's the only meaningful game Daniel Jones has ever played in. So I don't know if we can even say Daniel Jones is good or bad. Because I don't even know if we have any real information on the man in the league. So we get Carson Wentz, who we all know, folks. We won't go on our 10-minute Carson Wentz rant, okay? Y'all know we can't. We won't. Daniel Jones, we don't even know what the hell the man is. Eagles are good. Eagles are just good on their own. So, yeah, Bills will not win, or uh, uh, Cowboys will not win this division. The Cowboys are going to be absolutely abysmal, and there's no way they're winning more than 10 and a half games. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Unbelievable. I'm betting that right now. I'm dropping 10 grand. I will drop 10 grand on the Cowboys winning under 10 and a half games. That is the easiest bet of the entire season, folks. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, Cowboys, they're in a wide receiver market. If only they had a great number one, A1, tier one wide receiver on their roster before this offseason. If only. If only. Good luck, Cowboys, because you're gonna you're gonna need it. Truly. You're gonna need it. Get Jerry Jones out of there. Force him to sell the team. Jeez. Cowboys are not gonna be good, folks. Oh my goodness. They're not gonna be good. Alright. Let's keep moving on. <laughs> and as we talk about the NFC East, folks, and as we talk about, this is so comical. Whenever anybody talks about Carson Wentz, it just becomes comical at this point. You, I don't know how you can keep a straight face by giving Carson Wentz a compliment. I can't do it. I know I can't do it. I can't even have the words come out of my mouth. I, if I say Carson Wentz is good, see, folks, it, it won't come out. I, I, I'm trying. Carson Wentz is good. My voice just automatically shuts off. I'm trying. Carson Wentz is the greatest. Co can't. Carson Wentz is. Can't even say that. Carson Wentz is bad. Those words come out fine. Carson Wentz is trash. Carson Wentz is bad. Carson Wentz can't play football. Carson Wentz is the worst quarterback of all time. Uh, Carson Wentz is the unclutchest quarterback of all time. Carson Wentz doesn't care about winning. All those words come out fine. Carson Wentz is good. Carson Wentz is accurate. Uh, can't even get that word out. Can't even get the word accurate out when I talk about Carson Wentz. Words can't come out at the same time. I can say Carson Wentz. I can say accurate. Carson Wentz is accurate. Folks, I'm trying. Words can't come out. So it instantly becomes comical when anybody tries to say Carson Wentz is good or anything like that, folks. I can say ironically. The words no. When they come out ironically, they can come out good. Yeah, Carson Wentz is real good. <laughs> that word comes out fine. I can say it like that. Uh, so, yeah, here we go. Here we go, folks. This is just so comical. The clickbait headline is comical in itself. This whole entire Carson Wentz is comedy, folks. The fact that Carson Wentz is still a starter in this league is comedy. If he's a backup in this league, it's still comedy. The man is not it. We need to all move on. And all right, he swindled. We got swindled. We were Carson Wentz believers heading into last season. Week three is when we were truly done with Carson Wentz. But up until week three, we were buying into Carson Wentz and the Colts. Absolutely. We got swindled. 
It's alright. We can admit that we got swindled a little bit. Everybody gets guyed here and there. We got guyed on Carson Wentz. We went to bat for him when he was uh, his last season with the Eagles throwing 17 interceptions. We went to bat for him. We were wrong. We were clowns at the end of the day for that. But we will not be clowns any longer, I can tell you that. I wipe off my clown face paint. Where Aaron Rodgers double downs on the Riddler face paint. This man, Aaron Rodgers, has like 10 caked on layers of green question mark face paint on his face, folks. From the other previous times, he was the Riddler. Doubling down. You don't need to double down. That's really where we are in the world right now. Everybody just doubling down. Even though they know they're wrong. Will y'all stop doubling down when y'all know you're wrong, please? <laughs> it's okay. You're wrong. You got swindled. You, you're wrong. It's okay. We were wrong on Carson Wentz. This man is atrocious. This man is the worst quarterback of all time. All right. So here we go. This is... Uh, <laughs> here we go, folks. Tell me y'all though. Like, this is a joke. You could go to... Like, let me, let me present this in, like, stand-up fashion. I'm Ron Rivera. <laughs> how's, how's everybody doing tonight? Yes? Yes? So you heard about this Carson Wentz guy, yeah? Yeah? We should all be ascending. Washington, we should be ascending. Should be ascending after the Carson Wentz trade. And that's when everybody laughs. That's the punchline. Even though Ron Rivera's trying not to be funny. No, no, no. I'm telling y'all, folks, even though the crowd is roaring with laughter, he's still kind of strutting on the stage. No, I'm telling y'all, we should be ascending. And then everybody's like literally doubling over in laughter. Folks can't even catch their breath. They're passing out because they're laughing so much. And Ron Rivera is kind of just standing up there like shoulder shrug. Like what? I'm not even, I haven't even gotten to the joke yet. No, that is the joke. Ron Rivera says Washington, quote, should be ascending after the Carson Wentz trade. What? Are we just saying things now? Is that, is that, is that, is that good to do? We can just say nonsense now? Dude, can I just... Uh, I guess I've been doing it wrong. I've been spitting facts for the last year and like nine months we've been doing the show, folks. I don't think we've spit, spit anything other than facts. But I guess y'all just want to hear nonsense. I guess that's why we haven't grown so fast, yes? We're not spewing nonsense all over the place? Should I be saying this? Washington, get excited. You got Carson Wentz on your team. That sounds like a joke. But that's what y'all want to hear, I guess. Unbelievable Ron Rivera would even think this. But let's go into the actual quotes. I want to see how deep he believes into Carson Wentz. Because this is absolutely ridiculous to say. Here we go. What do we got, Ron? Ron, and I know Ron Rivera's not even going to like Carson Wentz the person. Ron Rivera's all about grit and grind and buying in. Remember when he was fighting cancer and also coaching and winning games and getting into the playoffs? Ron Rivera got into the playoffs battling cancer. Carson Wentz couldn't beat the Jaguars fully healthy. Carson Wentz is not a leader. Carson Wentz does not care about winning games. They're not going to get along. I really don't understand. Dude, screw the talent. Screw all the talent. Is Carson Wentz good? Is he bad? Is he talented? Can he play? Take that out the window. Take just Carson Wentz, the guy, the leader, the non-leader he is. Take Carson Wentz, the guy, and Ron Rivera, the guy. Do you even see them meshing together? I don't at all. I don't at all. So just that standpoint alone, I don't understand why Ron Rivera brought in Carson Wentz in the first place. And now he's saying he's good, which is a lie, <laughs> which is truly a lie. So what is Ron Rivera seeing in Carson Wentz? Because this man may need some new prescription glasses. So here we go. Let's read the first lead up to the quote. 
In Ron Rivera's third season as the Carolina Panthers coach, the club broke through with a 12-win campaign. Now entering his third season in charge of Washington, Rivera feels the pressure to take the next big step, saying, quote, I do feel it. This is the year that says we're going to ascend, and we should be ascending. Okay, so a little bit, um, Kevin Patra. Okay, Kevin Patra trying to frame this. See, I think another issue we have with Kevin Patra out here, kind of framing it like adding Carson Wentz, now we should be ascending. But Ron Rivera is just saying we, sh we should be ascending because it's year three here my third year here. I've already ascended year three in Carolina. We should be ascending here year three. Not because they got Carson Wentz. All right. That's the clickbait. Once again, that's why we bring up these articles and go into all the quotes and everything because sometimes they frame things not how they are. And this is not what Ron Vera is saying. As of yet, there's still more quotes here, but he's not saying that we should be ascending because we acquired Carson Wentz. So that's fantastic. All right, Ron. All right, now, you, now you're now you sounding like you've got some sense left in that noggin of yours. Thank you. Here we go. Next, lead up to the next quote. The Commanders have finished with seven wins in each of Rivera's first two seasons in Washington. The first year came with an improbable NFC East title at 7-9. Truly improbable. Says, quote, what happened my first year was an anomaly. I don't get too caught up in that. My second year was kind of on par, maybe a step back. Yeah, a li little bit of a step back defensively. Uh, not getting better than 7-9 last season. Yeah, step back. So Ron Rivera, see this man. See, uh, we like Ron Rivera. Even though he's not offense-minded and everything like that, we like Ron Rivera because he gets it. The man just knows. He gets it, folks. Back to the quote. says, quote, I don't get too caught up in that. My second year was kind of on par, maybe a step back, because even though I felt we were immature and they were truly immature absolutely I was hopeful we could get it straightened up and we could work it and go in the right direction but they were never able to do that and Carson Wentz is not going to be helped be able to do that so why bring in Carson Wentz he's not a leader we hear this all the time from everybody in the Colts now because everybody can talk um, about Carson Wentz in a negative light from the Colts because Jim Irsay did it. So if it's good enough for Jim Irsay, the owner, yeah, the players are going to be doing it as well. And everybody's saying, yeah, this man's not even a leader. Do you not know you need a leader at quarterback, folks? You need that. That's not optional. Your quarterback must be a leader. Carson Wentz is not. Here we go. Ron Rivera, another lead up. All offseason, Rivera has pointed to the third year being what he expected his program to take hold. The 60-year-old coach believes the trade for Carson Wentz pushed Washington over the hub. All right, now we're getting to the point where we may lose a little respect for Ron Rivera. Quote, it gets us a few steps in the right direction. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Carson Wentz does not add anything to this team. He does not put you in the steps of the right direction. He is actively taking steps back. Come on, Ron. You're smarter than this. You should know what Carson Wentz is. Frank Wright couldn't get the best out of him, and they have history together. You have no ties to Carson Wentz. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, one more quote. Ah. Uh, let's read the final lead up. Here we go. The commanders, like the Colts last year, put their eggs in the Wentz basket, believing he's the missing piece to a playoff team, which we know he's not. Rivera knows winning is the only thing that will prove the club correct, says, quote, 
how long you're at some place is all about winning. That will never change. If you're successful, you can have a nice long run. If you're not, it will be time to move on. That's the crux of the business, and that's exactly it. Winning solves everything, folks. Who cares? You had a bad week. You had a bad stretch of uh, four weeks. You had a bad month. As long as you're winning, who cares? If you win, we can buy you. If we can, if you can win, we can talk about you in a high light. We can praise you because you're winning, and that's the only thing that matters in sports is winning. Who cares about stats when they're empty? Somebody's got empty stats, and uh, I want to kind of say that. Uh, who who is it? Um. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a perfect example. Do we care about Kirk Cousins as a quarterback? No. Looking at stats, yes, we do. Looking at wins, no, we don't. He's the anomaly. Great stats. Doesn't win. Does anybody care about Kirk Cousins? What do they say when they say about Kirk Cousins? He can't show up for the big games. He can't win primetime games. And that's really it. Those are the two biggest narratives around Kirk Cousins. His primetime performances. Doesn't show up in those games. Loses those games. Nobody points to the great stats of Kirk Cousins. That's not the first thing you point to. You hear Kirk Cousins, your word association is loser. Unclutch. Mr. No Big Time. That's Kirk Cousins. You must have the wins with the stats. Empty stats do not show me anything. We do not we do not rave over empty stats. We don't do that. Y'all do that. The Nets are good. Those are all empty stats. Everything y'all say about the Nets are empty stats. Stop it with the Nets. Y'all know we have to get that in the NFL section as well. So you're not closer with Carson Wentz. So Ron Rivera, come on. You're smarter than this. We know you're smarter than this. But you still took the risk of... Carson Wentz. Why not Gardner Minshew? Gardner Minshew is better than Carson Wentz. Absolutely, 100%, no debate. That's not even debatable. It's honestly not debatable. Carson Wentz is not as good as Gardner Minshew. And you probably could have gotten him a lot cheaper than what you got Carson Wentz for. Not that he was expensive, but still. So Ron Rivera kind of buying into Carson Wentz a little bit. Not as much as maybe this headline makes it seem. But overall, he still okayed Carson Wentz. He still believes Carson Wentz puts him in the right direction. And I know Ron Rivera has to say this. You cannot actively knock Carson Wentz. He's already got no um, self-confidence anyway. So you can't do that. He's on your team. I get it. You can't knock him. But the fact that you bring him in in the first place. Come on. So Ron Rivera kind of buying into Carson Wentz a little bit. They're not gonna get. They're not gonna get along. They will clash, folks. This is especially if they start losing. If they start the season zero and four, it's done. It's done. It's done. Carson Wentz will officially be done. The Washington will not be able to overcome that. And Ron Rivera may may just cut him. <laughs> there, I could definitely see a situation where Ron Rivera just cuts Carson Wentz because he's not the guy. He's not the leader that Ron Rivera expects from him. That he demands from all of his players. Carson Wentz is not going to be a here in Washington, folks. Absolutely not. This is going to be a cakewalk. This is going to be a cakewalk for the Eagles to win the division. Can we bet on? Can we bet on division winners? Division winners, yes. Here we go. I'm I'm betting ten thousand dollars right now. After the show ends, I'm betting ten thousand dollars that. The Cowboys do not win more than 10 and a half games. And I'm also putting another $10,000 on that the Eagles win the division. And I want to see what these odds are. So here we go. The NFC East. <clears throat> NFC East division odds. Here we go. Cowboys are the favorites at minus 115. What? What? 
What? Stupid. Do not bet that. Eagles are next at plus 350. Wow, wow, wow. What good odds are that? $10,000 at plus 1050. Man, oh, man, 45K. Sheesh, sheesh, sheesh. That's fantastic. Washington Commanders are at plus 400. Plus 400. Eagles are at plus 350. Washington's at plus 400. Vegas, what are we doing out here? Really? Really? I don't know how they make money as a sports book, honestly. I truly don't. I, well, I guess they do because I know y'all love the Nets still. So that's how they're making their money. Y'all are still betting the Nets, which I don't understand why. But I, I, well, how are you making money here? My sports book, the takes by fan sports book, Eagles to win the division is at minus 400. I'm not giving y'all any good value. Cowboys to, to win the division, uh, I'll give them plus 350. I'll give them the Eagles odds here. Plus 350. Washington to win the division, plus 1,000. Giants to win the division, plus 1,500. Actually, no, no, no. I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna switch those because they got Brian Dable and you got Daniel Jones, who even though we have we have no idea what he is, I know he's better than Carson Wentz. So let me switch this around. Eagles are at minus 400 to win the division. Cowboys are at plus 350. Giants are at plus 900, and Washington's gonna be at plus 10,000. Washington at uh, plus 10,000. The worst odds you can get. I easy money right here. Easy money. Easy money. 20 grand on the line to win 45 grand on the Eagles and another probably 10 grand on uh, the under 10 and a half wins totals for the Cowboys. Absolutely absurd. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. All right. <laughs> and then we get this. Here we go. On uh, the Commanders, they put out a statement uh, with everything going uh, on. Not good wise, the ticket sales, holding out, under investigation, all that. And the commanders put out a statement. And once again, listen to the language here, folks. Listen to the language. The official statement by the Washington commanders on the whole, uh, what do we even call it? Uh, the whole scandal, scandal number 453 going around. Here it is. Washington statement says, quote, there has been absolutely no withholding of ticket revenue at any time. Those revenues are subject to independent audits, audits by multiple parties. Anyone who offered testimony suggesting a withholding of revenue has committed perjury, plain and simple. So once again, listen to how people phrase things. NFL is saying there's absolutely no merit. There's absolutely no, I forgot the word they actually use, but saying, hey, there's no evidence that Brian Flores, uh, this whole Brian Flores, there's no uh, merit to anything he's saying. Then the next day, hey, let's make sure we're all kind of uh, a little bit more open to everybody, minorities. Let's retweak the uh, Rooney rule where we have offensive people minorities but once again there was no merit no merit to that zero merit but yeah let's change some things we're not racist to brian flores but let's let's tweak the rooney rule a little bit uh let's send out a memo the very next day hey let's all try to do a little bit better let's all try to do a little bit better but once again there was no merit <laughs> big big words coming out of the nfl big words coming out here Anyone who offered testimony suggesting a withholding of revenue has committed perjury. We we didn't do wrong. We didn't do wrong. You did wrong. We 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 we're not the ones uh, committing crimes. We we did not withhold any forty percent. You committed the crimes. You committed perjury. You're wrong. We're not wrong. You're wrong. When you start the point, hey, we're not wrong. You're wrong. 
this is what you're doing wrong. That's how you know they're wrong. <laughs> Doubling down. We're not wrong. You're wrong. The NFL, hey, 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 Brian Flores, we're not wrong. You're wrong. No, 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 you're wrong. We're not wrong over here. We're not doing any racist things over here. You're the racist, Brian Flores. You're the racist. There's no merit to anything he says. He's a liar. He's a liar. We're not lying. He's the liar. Washington Commander Statement. We didn't break the rules. You broke the law. You committed perjury. We paid our 40%. We didn't withhold any ticket sales. Those are subject to independent audits. They passed. You're committing perjury. You're the ones committing the crime. Interesting. Interesting. Once again, who knows what's real right now? It's every it's everything's he said, she said until we get the actual facts from court. That's when we'll only know. But once again, charge language, you're committing perjury. Whoever said this is committing perjury. Lying to the court. Okay. If it was such a big lie, it should be able to get called out, right? You should be able to prove easily. If it's subject to, if everything's subject to independent audits, you should be able to prove it instantly. Once again, I hate the whole, you know, um, silencing um, bad speech. Oh, that's hate speech. Ooh, we got to remove hate speech. Yes, we have freedom of speech, but we can't do hate speech because hate speech and hate speech and mis uh, misinformation, a little bit more on the mis misinformation side, you know, hate speech is obviously bad. Absolutely. Um, it's still unfortunate. I don't think we should censor it because if it's so bad, yes, we should all be able to acknowledge, hey, that's bad, <laughs> you know, and kind of not uh, listen to anything that side puts out anymore. I mean, that's really how we should all move. Yes, they could say wild things, but we don't have to pay attention to it. <laughs> they still have their, their right to say wild things. It's their right. Uh, but if it's so wrong, if it's so wrong in such a lie, then it should be so easy to point out that it is a, it is a lie. The best way to stop misinformation is to tell us information, <laughs> the right information. If this is wrong information, we'll just point us to the right information. And if it's so easy to do, why are you getting so angry about it? Why are you getting so charged up about it? If, it, if it's such a lie, then point us to the lie. Washington, if, if, if you are subject to independent audits of the 40% of ticket revenues, then show us the books. Oh wait, you can't because you got two books. You got the lying book and the truth book. You show us the truth book because it's supposed to be the truth book. But you have a lie book as well. So if it's so easy to point to, then show us. Show us the right information. If this is wrong, if this is a lie, then show us. How hard of it, how hard is it to show us the right information? If something is so blatantly wrong that you're wanting to silence people for that thought, that take, those words, then point us to the right information. If it's so easy, then show us. But nobody ever wants to show because it's not so easy and it's so and it's so nuanced. Nothing's so right or wrong. Everything's nuanced. That's why nobody can say, hey, here's the right thing. Here's the right thing to say. Hey, he's so wrong. Oh, got to get Donald Trump off of Twitter. I'm just using this as, as an example, folks. Please stop it. Uh, but oh, Donald Trump off of Twitter. Oh, he's, he's saying hate speech and misinformation. Well, then what's information about? What's misinformation about? Show us. You're kicking this man off of a off of a platform and the whole and I don't even want to get into this debate, but oh, it's a private company, they can do whatever they want. Yes, they can. But overall, this is America. So you're gonna have like a non-American company in America? We have freedom of speech here in America. Just because you're a private company, you're gonna infringe on people's rights? I don't agree with that either. 
But once again, that's a whole different debate for a whole different day. And that's not it is a sports show. I don't like to try to, you know, bring everything together, but sometimes we have to. And just once again, folks, just watch the language, watch what people say, watch the outcome, and adjust and learn on the whole thing on how words and language work. That's all I'm asking for you. Just why? Uh, there's no reason to get so heated about every single argument, folks. Once again, y'all take to the extremes on everything. Everything. You see something you don't like, you instantly charge it. You instantly use charge language and charge it and get yourself charged up about it. Uh, upset about it once again facebook is a whole negative factory the engagement you only engage when you're mad when you're mad i guess that's why we don't get a lot of engagements on the show because we say everything right <laughs> i mean everything we, th we say is just right so nobody's like oh that's so wrong i need to kind of get my feelings out about it i guess that's what we're doing wrong we don't we don't appeal to the negative emotion because when are we ever wrong folks have we ever said anything wrong <laughs> i don't know so let's digress 100%, folks. Truly digress here. So Washington, that's their statement, and we'll see who's right or wrong. But they say, hey, no, 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 we're not wrong. You're wrong. You're the liar. You committed perjury. You committed a lie under oath. We're not the ones lying. So we'll see how it all plays out, folks. But this is not the first scandal of Washington. So I don't know if we give them the benefit of the doubt that this one is the one they're truly right about. But we'll see. All right, what else do we got here? Uh, Tyrod Matthew visiting with a couple of teams here. Free agent safety, best safety in the league. He's a great leader. He gets it done. He's, his work ethic is fantastic. Tyrod Matthew is truly the best safety in the league, and uh, I think I can die on that take. So, Tyron Matthew, free agent. We know that he's not going back to the Chiefs this season. And there are a couple of teams interested. Out of this list on the screen right now, I don't think these are all the updated ones. This is from March 31st. Uh, but the bigger names, I don't think he's going to the Dolphins. I think he already kind of ruled that out. But really, the only main teams that are kind of potentially in the market for Tyron Matthew and my, of what I've seen, are the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Steelers. Maybe the Colts, but yeah, for the most part, it's Cowboys, Saints, Steelers, in my opinion, and he just visited with the Saints yesterday, and he said this on uh, the visit, he said, quote, I don't think they really need me, but it would be good to be back home and help them win, so I don't know, does that sound like he wants to be there, hey, they don't need me, he wants to be needed, he wants to be the starter, he wants to be the man. He also wants to help a team win. So we'll see where he ends up going, but he did have a visit with the Saints, probably visiting a couple more teams the next couple of days here. And I'm truly disappointed that he's probably not going to the Dolphins. I would love if he went to the Dolphins. He's my favorite defensive player. Tyree Kill's probably my favorite offensive player. Tyron Matthew, probably my favorite defensive player. And if they're both on the Dolphins, I mean, <laughs> dream come true. So we'll see where Tyron Matthew ends up signing, but uh, I would probably say expect it maybe in the next week or two. Tyron Matthew, changing teams, love it. Um, alrighty. Um, let's see. What can, um, let's save this story for tomorrow. We're going to have to get out of here, wrap it up a little bit. Yeah, let's wrap up the rest of these quick stories first. So here we go. First one up is Mitch Trubisky, his uh, contract that he signed with the Steelers. We finally have all the details. And I don't want to knock Mitch Trubisky. He seems like a great guy, family man. I think he has a kid, just got married um, last year, two years ago, year and a half ago. Seems like a great guy. But this man, folks, I he seems just like milk toast guy, <laughs> milk toast guy. Which there's nothing wrong with it, absolutely not. Uh, but you know, when he w when he got signed to the Steelers, remember we heard the quotes. He's like, "Oh, I'm so excited, you know, black and uh, gold, such great." You know, that's what he said. That like that, that like you know, how do you feel about here? It's like, "Oh, I love the black and gold. It's so great." You know, historic program, all that. 
Just kind of boilerplate stuff. And then we see his contract, and it's just kind of meh. And even Albert Breer says, hey, it's just pretty fair all around. Like, this man's not fighting for a big contract. This man's not outspoken. The man doesn't seem like he wants to kind of get into conflict, conflict and all that. So... Mitch Trubisky gets a base value of $14 million over two years, $8.5 million in total incentives, and $5.2 million in a signing bonus. Now, Albert Breer says the, incept- the incentives, by the way, aren't crazy. Once again, just kind of milk toastish. Doesn't want to kind of, hey, you know, fight in the contract, the negotiations. Everything just kind of baseline here for Mitch Trubisky. $4 million each year in playtime incentives and $250,000 for a Pro Bowl incentive each year. And Albert Breer says it's pretty fair all around. So that's just Mitch Trubisky. Just kind of eh, milk toast, average, basic, basic model. Basic. He, he's a basic model. That's all it is. And I don't want to knock. I don't know if that came off mean. It's truly not intentional. It's just what we've seen of Mitch Trubisky. And it just popped in my head when I saw this. I was like... Yeah, this guy's just kind of base guy. Base model guy. That's all it is. Nothing bad, nothing great. Base model. Um, Here we go. Several NFL teams are waiting to see if the Browns' Baker Mayfield will be released. So, once again, a lot of teams are like, hey, we don't need a trade for him. You know, he wants out. They got Deshaun Watson. They're not going to sign. They're going to have to release him at some point. So, seems like that's what a lot of the holdup here is is on Baker Mayfield. Teams don't want to trade because they know they don't have to trade. So, We'll see what happens with Baker Mayfield, and uh, teams will, he will be claimed. He will be claimed. I do believe Baker Mayfield will be playing football this season somewhere. Once again, I would like to see with the Lions. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what people are waiting on for him to be officially released. They do not want to trade for him. Then we get this. The Seahawks reportedly turned down a 10th overall pick from the Jets for DK Metcalf. So we kind of heard the Seahawks wanting to keep him, maybe trading him. DK Metcalf says he wants to be the leader, the new leader here for the Seahawks without uh, Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson on the team anymore. So Jets don't get him. 10th overall pick, Saints, uh, Seahawks turned that down. So we'll see what their overall prerogative is and if DK Metcalf does get shopped or not. And then the final thing right here, which is, you know, pretty funny, Panthers to meet with Kenny Pickett. Now, that's fine. You know, quarterback, draft, all that. We're not going to kind of truly look uh, you know, look into it too much of a team visiting with a draft prospect. All the teams do it. They do it. We don't, we're not going to hold that uh, against the Panthers. But what we are holding against the Panthers is that they are kind of like 100%, uh, 100%? They are majority percent in on Kenny Pickett. Every time we hear this Panthers team talk, it's always about kind of Kenny Pickett and not Malik Willis. And the national media is all on Malik Willis as the number one quarterback. Um, we have not made our assessment yet. That's what we are desperately trying to do here on the show, which is, once again, we're not getting to today. But uh, Panthers are meeting with Kenny Pickett. It seems like they want Kenny Pickett over Malik Willis, who everybody just assumes is the best quarterback in the league. We'll make our kind of deep dive into that, the stats in the film, to see who we like better. But that would just be classic Panthers, not getting the best guy because they don't know how to gauge talent. We know this. So Panthers potentially still making the wrong decision, but we will be the uh, the decider of fact once we see Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and see which one is better. So 
Panthers, and they had their first pick. I mean, they've got the their the first pick at quarterback because the the Jags. This is a draft order for this year's draft class. Uh, Jags one. They're not going after a quarterback. Lions at two. They won't go after a quarterback besides maybe Baker Mayfield. I don't see them drafting a quarterback. Texans at number three. They're rocking with Davis Mills. Jets at number four. They got Zach Wilson. Giants at number five. They got Daniel Jones. And then the Panthers at number six. There can uh, take the first quarterback off the board. Now the Seahawks pick nine. They may also get a quarterback back as well so see uh Panthers will have their pick of the first quarterback and if they pick the wrong guy I mean that's just going to be another black mark on the Panthers organization altogether of not being able to evaluate talent so make the right decision truly the Panthers must get the pick right because they got the first pick so Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today, folks. We got to get out of here, but we are back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, doing it all over again and seeing if we can finally watch Malik Willis and get this whole draft prospect uh, underway, truly. I uh, truly got to watch those first two quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis. Those will be the two that we do start with, and then we will go from there. Wide receivers, defensive backs, running backs, seeing who wows us. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today. We're back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, doing it all over again. Um, yeah, some great value in the NBA tonight. Go make a little bit of money. And I guess we will see you back here tomorrow when we're all cashing in. Yes, folks? All righty, folks. We're out of here. Have an absolute great one. And we will see you tomorrow.